Hey, hey, welcome back to the Interleague Podcast. Yet another week where we, the commentators, uh, come up with all, and I mean all, of the content. Okay, No one else is doing any work. Spags is doing most of it. I did a little bit of it, but I just want to say right now, there was no baseball played. If you guys didn't know, the season is over. It's now up to us to, like, get all this content. So here's the show. Welcome back. Spags, roll it from the top. That was me kicking it over to you, Spags. <laughs> oh, I never know what you're doing. I don't know. Yeah. Roll, you... roll it to the top. like, yo, uh... Like yo, 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 it's, it's, yeah. it's your boy. It's your boy, D-Spags, about to drop a hot 16. Um, That's next week's episode. <laughs> I don't know if we can say that. Maybe we'll go with, like, hot 18s. I feel like that'll just be more socially acceptable. Dude, 16 bars, dude. <laughs> I don't know anything about bars, man. Bars, bars. We'll learn, dude. Again, that's uh, Wednesday's podcast, so starting it up in, like, two weeks. I just I just let people think I'm gangster, but I'm really not. I just let I let people now, think I am. All of our social media peeps know that you're no longer gangster, so you're definitely uh, not gonna get out of DUIs with that kind of attitude. You know? <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice, yeah. Tie everything into this. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, episode twenty-eight, uh, going strong. Um, Chris gave me a scare saying that we were going to take weeks off or asked if we could. And then I, I message him like every Monday morning and I'm like, Hey, we record tonight and I'm just waiting for it to come back. Like, ah, no, nah, I'm going to skip tonight, but no, here we are again, going strong. Yeah. Well, to be fair, when I asked you, I was like, probably had been, I had probably slept like minimal amount of hours in like the last like week or like that past week or two. Uh, and really since that time, like, we've just been a lot better. Harper wakes up, like, maybe only one time through the night. So we're down to that, if at all. Uh, so. Yeah, there are just others. You made other sacrifices rather than not recording every week. You know, Chris isn't playing video games as much. I was already not playing video games as much. <laughs> right, to, but you were, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, later. like, now I've just yeah. committed that, like, my bedtime is 9.30. So something like that. <laughs> I've, I can't. I, I don't even remember the last time I fell asleep at 9:30. Like I've probably gone to bed at 9:30 a.m. far more times than I've gone to bed at 9:30 p.m. Yeah. since I was an adult. Just if you could imagine that you're, uh, that you wake up every. Just imagine that it's possible that you wake up at 4 a.m. every day. It's just easier to go to bed at 9:30 sometimes. It's fair. It's like, it's I do. Like, it's like I might have to wake up at four, and then like it never happens. Like. I, I know in life that it consistently happens sometimes. And, you know, it's just yeah, so TMI, I wake up at like 3, 4 o'clock every morning to pee, but at least I get to go back to bed. Like, when I wake up to pee, I don't have to then fight a three-year-old. That also happens in this, yeah. like, you got to make sure like you close the door quietly. Yeah, you know, you no. Light or don't turn on the lights, that's your own, like. It depends how tired you are. Can you open your eyes? Can you see? Like, you know, yeah, I definitely, I'm, I'm a, I'll walk in the dark everywhere. Um, I don't keep the lights on most of the time. Um, I've definitely kicked the wall, a chair, bumped into the table. Um, kind of done it all. But like I said, like, regardless of what happens, it, it's usually pretty easy for me to go right back to bed. 
Yeah, I can definitely go right back to bed. It's just, did anybody hear me while I was awake? Correct. Like, if anyone hears me, I still get to go right back to bed. If you get caught, you may not get to sleep the rest of the night. Dan? (laughs) Dan? (laughs) You're just just ignoring her. Like, no. (laughs) Like, Dad? No, it's a ghost. (laughs) Like, if I'm going to have to put a kid back to sleep, I'm at least going to have some fun with it. I try not to push the ghost out because she's really not afraid of ghosts. She just likes to say she is a ghost. She knows ghost she be afraid of a ghost, but she likes she likes them. She wants to draw them all the time. Like that's fun. Yeah, the, the infamous ghost bees. You know. Oh, but Chris's life podcast is on Saturdays. It's on Saturdays. Same place. <laughs> life of a household man. De casa su man. Um, Saturdays. No, and then our our Spanish podcast is on Tuesdays, so. Uh, but yeah, so I guess we can move move on to the agenda as, as our our intro. Yeah, the introductions as we covered last week covers whatever we wanted to cover. Yeah, yeah. That's why it just says introduction. Like we we did inter- introduce people to new things about us. So, sure. introduction check. Um. But host Chris, and this is your other host, the hostess with the most of the powers, Maggie. Yo yo yo! Kick it over to you. (laughs) Roll it from the top. Roll it from the top. Today I learned. Um, but yeah, so we we only had one award announcement when we recorded last week, uh, with the rookie of the year, which I think was. A pleasant surprise in the NL and then relatively controversial in the AL. But with the with rounding out the rest of the major award season, like I don't really think that there's anything too crazy about it. Um, I think we both got like looking at manager of the year. I, I forget who the three finals were, but I think we both picked Kevin Cash um, just for, like what he did with Tampa Bay. Um, I, I think that's kind of the route we went. Um, I know we kind of threw Toronto in there as kind of a dark horse because I think they had. And, you know, they were better than expected. Um, but I think Tampa Bay was also better than expected. One of them whooped up on the other one in the playoffs, and one of them went to the World Series. So it makes sense that Kevin Cash took home AL Manager of the Year. Um, I, I will say I'm not surprised about the NL side of it um, with Don Mattingly getting manager of the year in Miami. Um, obviously I'm cool with Don getting it. Um, you know, the Yankees turning around the franchise, um, you know, Jeter at the helm, uh, and the ownership group, Mattingly, you know, on the bench managing. Uh, so happy for him, but I don't think like if this were a normal year or not even a normal year, if they would have had a normal playoff perspective, like a normal playoff picture, and Miami doesn't make the playoffs, and so they don't beat Chicago in the first round, um, and like lose in the NLDS, like I don't think Mattingly's even really in the running for that. Um, so I, I, I think my pick, and I think you might have agreed with me, was um, I can't think of who the manager is for San Diego off the top of my head now, uh, but I think that that's where it should have went. Um, 
Yeah, so, like I said, happy for him. Not necessarily controversial. You can make an argument either way. It was a different year, but I think that what happened in San Diego was likely a, a better showing than what happened in Miami. Yeah. Um, Cy Young's, I think that we like we we both predicted both of these. Um, Shane Bieber was unanimous in the AL. I don't know how it could have been anyone else. And then Trevor Bauer won it in the NL. Um, I think that they're both to be expected. They both have phenomenal years. Um, and it's even more impressive when you think about like really how mediocre or below mediocre Cincinnati was for the entire season. Um, that Bauer put up the type of numbers that he did. Um, so really the only thing he didn't have was that great of a record, but that was more because the offense in Cincinnati sucked for, you know, 45 of the 60 games. Maybe you get to negotiate your contract for coming off the Cy Young team. Yeah, yeah. Like he's gonna he's probably gonna get paid pretty decently. Yeah, the Mets are gonna pay a little bit money. I I do think that it's the stars have aligned for him to be a Met, I think. Um, which is Well not ideal, but I heard a good point that uh in which I wouldn't have known about the Mets, that the Mets is their like their farm organization has already been picked through, so it would be easier for current owner to buy what he needs while they continue to like uh, draft players and replenish that. So um, signing free agents that way is probably gonna be a pretty pretty hefty move from them. So and well, because the saying like he's gonna sign two free agents. Right. So and it it's kind of a catch point too in that regard because. So, yes, they don't have a whole lot there. Um, so you're probably going to have to bring in from outside the organization. But by signing a guy like Trevor Bauer, who was offered like uh, was offered a qualifying offer and he declined it. So if he signs a big contract, like you're giving up a draft pick. So so you're you're trying to rebuild your farm system through drafting. But by signing these guys, you're getting less draft picks. So it's harder to replenish your, your farm system. Um, but with that said, like, I think you're fine with it just being the expected cost. Like if Trevor Bauer's on your team next year, you know, you're, you're okay with that. You're rolling out Trevor Bauer, uh, Noah Syndergaard. Yeah. The only thing that I could see, so I know like Cohen's come out and said that their goal is to win a world series in like the next three to five years. And that would be the only thing is like, I don't know how long Bauer's looking to stay in one town. Um, so if you can get him to like a five-year deal and you know, you just have him, you know, throughout the, the window, you're trying like the time frame you're giving yourself to win a ring. Um, great. But if he's going to be like in that two to three year window, then you're really not signing him on for the time frame you're looking to win a championship anyway. So is it worth your investment? Like, wouldn't it just be better to say, like, okay, let me get other pieces. Like, let's bring in Real Muto, who we're going to sign long-term, and then we'll look to see what develops in the starting pitching market over the next two, three seasons, because I'm not looking to win a ring yet. But I want to start building towards a ring three, four, five years from now. And if you're going to get Bauer on a two or three year deal, you aren't doing that. Yeah. Like that's a win now free agent signing, not a win later free agent signing. Um, but yeah, then MVP, 
Um, again, I think that there was a, you could have made arguments for a couple of guys that were up there. Um, but Jose Abreu, you know, won AL MVP and then Freddie Freeman won NL MVP. So, um, I know like you could have made an argument for like Mookie Betts could have made an argument for LeMahieu. Um, I feel like you could always make an argument for Mike Trout. <laughs> so, um, I don't even remember who the third finalist was. I think Jose Ramirez, maybe. Um, it's like I know Trout wasn't even really in there, but you always can make an argument for Trout. Trout's only problem is that everyone knows he's so good, but no one ever gets to watch him play because he's out in California. And their games aren't really on TV. Like, you have to try hard. Like, for the general public, like, they don't get to see him. Like, they just always know, like, well, people say that Mike Trout's the best player in major leagues. So. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. And in addition to that, like, they probably, like, they're not even, like, the most coveted team in their city. Yeah. Um, so, like, the Angels aren't that great of a baseball team. Um, you have, like, the Astros have dominated that recently, you know, that division. Um, you have Oakland, who's always kind of like that feel-good, wild-card, Billy Bean-type story. Um, the Mariners have been up and like, coming. They're always winning games, and they're always in the playoffs, right? So, like, they're exciting because like, it's like if the Pittsburgh Pirates could make it to the playoffs as often as the uh, athletics at least come close to, you know? Right. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's what I'm saying. So, like, you, it's like you have your you're in a division where, like, the Astros kind of built themselves up from the ground up, you know, with your Altuves and Bregmans and Correas and – you know, just like how deep their team is. And then they went out and bought pitching and turned it into a ring and went to another world series and, you know, all of that. So like they found success that way. And then like you said, like Oakland finds success with like this minuscule payroll. And then you have the angels who've been like a top five, top 10 payroll since like 2002 when they won a ring and they haven't even been back to the world series. And I think they've only played in like, the postseason three times and haven't won a World Series like a postseason game since like 2011. Has Trout even played in a postseason game? He has. Um, but that I don't believe Trout has been a part of a team that's won a postseason series. So, you you don't really get to see him on the big stage. And then on the, like, so they don't really win their division. They don't make the playoffs. So they're not this marquee staple. And there's better stories to pitch and better teams to watch in the AL West. And then even in LA, like, you have what's been going on with the Dodgers for the last five years. You know, so they, you're, you're not even really relevant in your own city. And Mike Trout just is squandered over there. Yeah. You know? Cardinals need outfield help. Trade for him. <laughs> you know, just like here, we'll give you our three, all three of our, out, all four of our outfielders, and we'll just take Mike Trout. Yeah, we just want one. We only need one outfielder if we have Mike Trout. Well, the hitting will be. <laughs> You'll put up better numbers. Yeah, he gets to hit all three spots too. I mean, you could you could fill in with guys around him. I mean, I get like Rangel Ravello, you know, playing out there. You'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. You know, just whoever. That, me and you, we'll rotate left field. It's fine. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Trout can cover us. We'll just hug the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I 
Even play left field was the best one. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, so I also took a peek, um, just to kind of see some some of the other awards that are kind of kicked around that don't get as as much prominence for the the four big ones. Um, but reliever of the year came out. Uh, Liam Hendricks won it for the AL, which I wasn't really surprised by. I mean, when we looked at like the MLB all or the all MLB team, we noticed like just how many relievers had really really good years. Um, but our boy Devin Williams, he won reliever of the year for the NL. So not only rookie of the year, but also reliever of the year. So uh, that thought that was pretty cool to see. Um, Nelson Cruz won the Marvin Miller man of the year award, which is uh, given to the player that his peers feel are the most is the most respected based on his leadership on the field and in the community. So I thought that this was kind of relevant. Um, obviously the Cardinals need offensive help and Nelson Cruz is, you know, that DH type option. So really only relevant for the Cardinals if the universal DH ends up being a thing, but with him being a free agent and he has that like leadership respect of the peer, like of his peers, a positive influence in the community like that. I would, I could see the Cardinals making like a, a one year investment in, you know, just give them like, Hey, here's, you know, like, uh, like the new, like incentive laden type contracts, um, you know, that you see Wayne right on or that like they might get Molina on this year. Um, and then you're just like, all right, like this is going to be our DH day in and day out. He's going to add a ton of power. He can definitely bat in that four hole and you just can't have him. Like he isn't going to help you anywhere defensively. So you only really can get him if he, if the universal DH is a thing, but I just thought that it was, it was cool to see like, obviously players hold him in high regard. So maybe something like that would be worth a one year investment. Like just the guy that really knows the game's been around for a long time and could maybe help those young kids come along um, and just continue to be like that clubhouse leader where they're losing some of that if Wainwright and Molina don't come back. Yeah. You know, like maybe someone that can help stem the tide for like Goldschmidt to step up and really become that guy. Um, or I help DeYoung kind of come along in that role. Because like, like outside of those two, I don't really know who else it would be. Yeah. Um. And so then, uh, Hank Aaron Award, um, they haven't awarded uh, that or the Roberto Clemente Award yet. Um, the Hank Aaron Award, um, each league, they have seven finalists, and it's given to the best overall offensive performer in each league. Um, but LeMahieu is a finalist in the AL, and Goldschmidt is a finalist in the NL. Um, so, possible that our teams bring in some more hardware. Nice, nice, nice. Um, and then the Roberto Clemente Award, it's given to the player who best represents the game of baseball through extraordinary character, community involvement, philanthropy, uh, and positive contributions both on and off the field. And so each team, they nominate one person from their organization or like one player from their team. Yeah. Um, and the Yankees nominated uh, Giancarlo Stanton and the Cardinals nominated Adam Wainwright. Yeah, but Giancarlo Stanton's barely got any time on the field. Yeah, but he's so, like, he's got all, all these contributions off the field. Yeah, it's not fair. <laughs> he's got so much time on his hands. 
Yeah, I I also thought it was odd. I don't I don't know much about what he does in the community. Obviously, it's a little tougher for me to see that type of information. They don't cover it a ton on the website and stuff like that. Um, and I'm not there. I'm not there in New York. Uh, but I I do know that like when when like the uh, the BLM movement and all that got like became. Uh, became really prominent in baseball. I know he was a big advocate of that. Um, and I spent his time, like when he was hurt and rehabbing, like he was doing stuff like that. Like, I know they talked about that a few times, like during the games that I was watching. So I would assume that that's kind of the gist of it for this year. Um, and I didn't do any research in terms of like who the, who the Yankees and Cardinals nominated last year. I feel like it's probably Wayne, right? For the Cardinals. Cause that just like, if you were to ask, like, well, who do we think best represents the game of baseball through extraordinary character, community involvement, you know, positive contributions both on and off the field, like, who do we think that is? Um, yeah, like, I, I feel like that's really where it's it's gonna be. So between like really like two guys, you're like, I'm I'm getting nominated on this team this year, right? Yeah, so we'll we'll see. I think that those those awards are done like closer to the end of the uh, end of the month, uh, but I'll I'll keep an eye out. And I thought it was cool that like still a couple things that are that are nice to see, and we have guys up for both of them. Uh, but that that's really all I had for the awards that are still existing, are still outstanding, and kind of our our award season recap. Um, so I don't know if you had anything, uh, next up on our agenda, we just have like kind of our typical Yankees Cardinals coverage. I don't know if there's anything, I know I jotted down one note, but I don't know if there's anything on your radar, any stories you saw, anything that, you know, tickled your fancy that you wanted to talk about for either of our teams. Um, no, not really. I haven't really seen the Cardinals do much anything except, like you had told me right before, they had just uh, signed a catcher that no one's ever heard of before. Yeah, just to uh, Tyler Heineman. Yeah. yeah. We'll continue to really just hold out to see if um, Yachty or Wainwright's going to resign. I, I'm not expecting any other moves. I'd expect no moves before I expect like extra moves. Um, so yeah, they're not really. Yeah. So, so the only thing I made note of um, is it's, I want to say the 20th of this month is the deadline for rule five draft decisions. Um, so essentially like rule five draft, the rule five draft happens every year in December, right around the same time of the winter meetings. And basically, if um, so, if a player is, I think they're they've been in the league for five years, like they've been, in, like a professional player, you know, died in the minor leagues for at least five years, and they are not on a forty-man roster, then they are eligible to be drafted by a team in the Rule Five draft. Um, if a team drafts a player, then I believe it's there's like a $5 million uh, or maybe it's like, it may not be that much. I forget what it is. Maybe it's like 50 K 
um, or something. I know it's 50 something and 5 million seems way too high for a minor league player. So it's probably like 50 K. Um, but either way, whatever that cost is. So say, say like the, the Yankees draft somebody in rule five away from the blue Jays, they will pay, um, the blue Jays for that player. The Yankees then have to keep that player on their major league roster for the entire following season. So in this case, it'd be all of 2021. And if they send him down at all, then the Blue Jays would have the option to take that player back. And if they do, then they have to give half of that posting fee back to the Yankees. So if it's 50K that the Yankees paid to the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays have to give $25,000 back and they get their player back. Um, so why, where that's relevant is, yeah, it's, it's, it's basically like, I view it as like Ryan Ludwig is the prime example of why the rule five draft is relevant. Um, cause it just gives guys opportunities to move to other organizations to get playing time. Um, and like, they're like, they're basically forced to be called up to the majors. So it doesn't happen a lot. Like there aren't a ton of guys that, are uh um that make a big difference um i'm bringing up because i know i've looked at this before um but i want to say like there's only like a handful of guys that are that were rule five picks at some point in time um so i don't know when the rule five draft started but this is saying that roberto clemente was a rule five draft. Um, so I'm trying to see, like, uh, I'm trying to see when it started prior to its current incarnation to the creation of the rule four draft, blah, blah, blah. Bonus. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a draft. So whatever, we'll, I'll skip that. Cause I don't know how much behind that, but like, um, Jose Batista was a Rule 5 draft. I think that's when he went to Toronto from Pittsburgh. Um, Josh Hamilton was a Rule 5 pick. Um, guys like uh, Darren O'Day, um, Johan Santana, Joaquim Soria, uh, Dan Ugla, Fernando Vina, uh, Shane Victorino. Those are all like guys that were all-stars that, you know, can't that they were all stars the year that they were taken in the rule five draft. So the year they got forced to be in the majors, they made the all-star team. So you can definitely hit pretty well with them. Um, like there, there's the possibility of there being talent, but I would imagine more often than not, nothing really comes about from it. Yeah. But the, um, so that decision's coming up. And right now, for the Yankees, they have five players that are in their top uh, that are in their top 30 prospects, and three of them are in the top 10. And that includes like the the only big name is uh, Oswald Peraza, who's like the shortstop of the future for them. Um, he's expected to make an impact like 2022, 2023. Is Jeter? Is Jeter? It could could be the next Jeter. Um, it's one of the reasons why they're saying that like it's a possibility that they're they aren't looking at going after or trading for like a Francisco Lindor or something along those lines is that they'll just try to you know stop gap the situation 
and get something like an Andrelton Simmons for, you know, a two-year deal and then just have Peraza come up as a shortstop and move towards back to second um, and then fill that gap. Um, like, move towards back to second this year, bring someone in to play shortstop and then have Peraza um, ready for that, you know, in another year or two. Um, the other guys, like, I've, I've, I recognize some of the names, but nothing that's really, like, that that big of a deal in my opinion um on the cardinal side they have six players in their top 30 that are that are so so those six players are in the top 30 of prospects for just the cardinals um but only one of them is in the top 10 but that one name is Ivan herrera so i think that depending on what they do like the cardinals either have to like they would either have to move him to the 40-man roster within the next four days or he would be eligible to be taken in the rule five draft. And I would think that you would see that happen. Um, that I, he, there's a strong possibility he would be taken if he isn't protected. But if the Cardinals add him to the 40 man roster, then that's one less spot they have for someone else to consistently be on the 40 man roster. Yeah. Um, what, and it would be like, if you brought back Yachty, like Weeders was uh, on a one year deal or is he already back? Cause if Weeders is already back, gonna be a hard sell like that what are you not gonna let Andrew Kisner like um I think I think it was a one year deal for Weeders but I'm not sure um I'm I'm bringing up his his contract details right now brought him up and then Uh, yeah uh so it looks like Weeders was just under invested in a Agreed, and it it looks like Weeders was just on a one-year deal, um, but it was two million dollars, and he was you know he's 34, so depending on what they get him to come, like if they were to try to get him to come back, I definitely don't think he put up anything to be worth two million dollars, um, but I don't know if you're gonna go with Kisner and Herrera at the major league level. So even if you're going to say, okay, Kisner's going to be our everyday starter, you're still looking at bringing somebody back. Um, if you bring back Molina, then obviously now you're, you're, you're probably at a point where you don't even want Kisner to be just your backup for 162 games. Like you're probably just going to go with Molina for a majority of the time. And you're going to see Kisner be in Memphis. So he gets everyday playing time. Um, so then, and like, you'll probably see Herrera and Kisner down there. So you're still probably needing to sign somebody else to be Molina's backup or sign somebody to be Kisner's backup and Molina doesn't come back. So it puts them in a really odd situation that like, you're going to have to carry, you know, three or four catchers potentially on your 40 man roster. And I don't know how likely that is. Like, I don't, I don't know that that's what they want to do or whatever, but it just takes away someone else's spot. If Herrera were to be moved to the 40 man roster could be could be um so i i fully expect that the cardinals will likely protect him but i think that if if they don't for some reason and he gets drafted then i think it is even more fitting that they're like okay kisner's our guy of the future so we're gonna we're just gonna roll with him um yeah like i i don't know that you're that you're going to want to wait another two years on 
uh, Kisner. Um, just because I, I think he's getting... Like, he's... Like, he's not old by any means, but, like, he's 25 right now. So, if you're... If you wait another two years, well, now you have this guy becoming your everyday catcher as he's, like, hitting his prime, but he's never been an everyday player in the major leagues. So... I just I feel like if you're gonna bring Molina back, then Herrera is what you're banking on being your your you know the the next guy your like your your next the future of your catching because he's 20 years old. So I think if they don't protect Herrera, then they're probably buying it. Yeah, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yep, 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 yep. Okay. Um, but yeah, so you're. You're probably, if you don't protect, if you don't protect Herrera, you're probably banking on Kisner being the catcher of your future, which means Molina probably won't be back. If they do, per, if they do protect Herrera, it doesn't mean that Molina won't, like Molina will for sure be back. But I think it is more likely that you'll see Molina be resigned if Herrera is added to the 40-man roster. So, so there, there's that. Next Monday. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's what it is. Is the the twentieth is the the deadline, but. Um. Yeah. So that'll be the the next kind of roster thing that happens. Um. So I guess the probably the the biggest news that has taken place in the baseball world recently is also down in Miami. Um, I know we talked about Don Mattingly earlier winning Manager of the Year in the NL, um, but their new GM, pretty historic signing. Um, I didn't know much about him, but obviously when it happened, I was like, oh, I wonder how long, you know, they've been around in the game. Um, and obviously it's historic because it's the, the first woman to ever hold the title of GM um, for any men's team in North American sports or major North American sports. Um, so I, I don't know if you've ever heard, if you had heard of Kim Ang prior to this happening. All right, so I I assumed not because I hadn't, and the only reason why I say that is because of all of like how much she's been intertwined into baseball. It's always been with pretty much the Yankees organization or Joe Torre specifically. Yeah. Um, so she worked as the assistant GM to Brian Cashman from 1998 to 2001. So like. During the dynasty run, she was Cashman's assistant GM. Um, she's been in the in the realm of baseball full time since '91, so you know, damn near 30 years in the game. Um, she was like assistant director of baseball operations with the White Sox, um, the Marlins. This is like the sixth team, like the sixth empty man GM spot that she's applied for. Um, you know, since 2005, um, when she applied 2005, it was with the Dodgers and she had already spent the last four years 
as the vice president and assistant GM there. Um, when they hired Ned Coletti, like he immediately kept uh, Aang on as his assistant GM. Um, she left the Dodgers in 2011, worked under Joe Torre as senior VP of baseball operations for MLB completely. Um, so it just seemed like like everything that I was reading, like she worked with Torre with the Yankees. She worked like Torre was the manager when um, she was in LA. It's like everything that I was kind of seeing um, basically like everyone she worked with was just like, Oh yeah. Like she's seems to be held in high regards. So like, it doesn't really surprise me that it's the, the route that it went or that she finally got a shot, but you know, still cool. You know, first woman, uh, I was also surprised to hear that she's the first like Asian American GM in MLB history. So, um, isn't the Marlins front office now um, like pretty heavily uh, slanked with female, right? They have a couple of top executive females now. I think so. She wasn't like the only like she was an additional hire, like a female hire, like the highest one in their organization. But Jeter had already hired a handful, I do believe. Either way, still really cool, obviously. Um, and then brings the questions back. So, when uh, when do we get the first female player? Is baseball uh, can baseball sustain that? Like a pitcher, she's a badass pitcher um, or catcher, outfielder, something. Yeah. Uh, um. So hold on, I'm. My headphones are acting up a whole bunch, so I'm actually going to stop the recording real quick um, and see if I can fix this, and then we'll we'll be right back. So sit tight, and uh, we'll be back, and it'll feel like no time at all. So, uh, yeah, bear with us. And we're back from technical difficulties, which Spags called technical difficulties. <laughs> really, he was delaying answering the question because uh, he thinks you know when will the breakthrough of females be playing baseball <laughs> is he was like not answering that question My God, yeah i need to i needed to talk to our <laughs> <laughs> i had to talk to our interleague podcast lawyers just to make sure i wasn't gonna say something that was gonna you know get a shutdown or anything yeah yeah we <laughs> Yeah, we could have been, we could have been back sooner, but then we found out that NASA was streaming on Twitch, so we we were checking that out a little bit. Um, you know, getting to see live space, getting to see live space stocking. Interesting. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff would love that line. Mickey, yeah, he always makes space stocking jokes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you you had asked like if I think that uh, or I guess I guess your question was how long until we see, you know, a female in the MLB. Um, I'm not gonna say it'll never happen because I don't I don't think that that's like I I just don't like speaking in absolutes in that regard. Um. But I do think that it would just be relatively far-fetched. Um, I think that you'll 
they'll probably be like if <clears throat> if it were to be a situation where it picks up like the sport picks up popularity and baseball becomes a more prominent thing that you would you might see like a, a women's baseball league just like the WMLB you know like the same route they went with like the WNBA like there's uh the WSL you know to counteract the MLS you know at the women's soccer league or whatever like that WPSL or whatever the hell they call it um and I I think that it's just it's it's a better practice to keep it separated because if you get to a point where you're going to allow, like, let's say there's a female that's very, it's very apparent that they're, they're talented enough because I mean, they certainly could be that their skill level is of a, a level that they could play with the best of the best, um, whether it be soccer or basketball or baseball or hockey or you know, there being like a female kicker in, in the NFL. Yeah, you know, it, it's definitely in the realm of possibilities. But if you're going to blur or allow or break the gender barrier, you know, quote unquote barrier for women to play in a men's league, then does it like what happens in the discussion if there's men that aren't quite good enough to play regularly in a men's league, but they are good enough to play with, you know, like, if they're a C level men's player and they can, they can hang with C level women's players. So like now are they competing for a job in the WNBA? Yeah. Like if you're going to allow women in the NBA, you can't then turn around and not allow men in the WNBA. So I think it just, it causes this weird dynamic. Like if you want it to be a co-ed thing, make a separate league. But I think that it's reason to keep, like if you want to have a men's league and you want to have a women's league and then you want to have a co-ed league, just like if you were to look at like any intramurals or rec league type stuff, like that's just the way you go about it. Like not because the talent isn't there or anything like that. It's just, this is the, the, the level that there are the, the breakdown that they have. Um, it's obviously like physicality and stuff like that. The sports vary a little bit. Um, not that, you know, like there's probably plenty of women out there that would kick my ass, but you know, like I'm also not a professional athlete. So I think it just, it's it becomes too complicated and too muddled if you're going to break that down. So that's what I think the hangup will be not. Well, that's why I think that I think baseball would be one of the easier ones because it's not like hockey. You got like just the size difference between men and women, like the hitting like each other consistently, like, that depending on like that might just not be like of best interest football kind of the same way right um so baseball kind of takes that out of it and there's like plenty of old guys that pitch and like plenty of relievers so like it, it's the sport that i think would be the most believable for it to happen but it's already behind all other sports because uh male and female ball player baseball players they don't play the same sport one plays baseball one plays softball and now there, um, but there are close, but like in pitching, like women don't pit in softball. You don't pitch the same as you do in baseball. So correct. It, it is different that your whole entire life, the overhand pitch, you're underhand pitching the whole time. So. And, and that's where I think that like the first step that would need to happen would be the continuation of baseball for, you know, girls, women, females, 
moving forward after childhood because you see plenty like there's been plenty of girls that have been very very successful at like the little league world series like playing the game of baseball um that they like and they've dominated like it's it's been like very successful but as you're younger like i i i I hear this phrase all the time. I'm by no means like a scientist by myself, so I don't have proof of it or anything like that. I've done zero research, but people often say that girls mature earlier than boys. So that muscle development and things of that nature are, is happening at a younger age. So when you're 10, 11, 12 years old, you may be a little bit stronger than your male counterpart as a female. But I don't know, or at least I've never heard caught wind of anything with you know a female throwing a 90 plus mile per hour fastball from 60 feet away there are girls that pitch very fast and the equivalent speed in softball and the ball moves in different ways but they're also at a closer distance um so like you said i mean like the softball and baseball are similar sports they are not the same sport so there would need to be like a female baseball league i think like think of like a league of their own that they it could it, there could be draw to it but that would have to happen and you'd have to see that level of success um i don't know like how much power would come off the bat you know because in any softball that i've seen like they use aluminum bats um it's like the same thing that you see with college players like colton long had a ton of pop in in college at hawaii and it didn't translate to the same type of power numbers at the major league level because he went from an aluminum bat to a wooden bat um so it it just it, there's a ton of variance so i think that that'll play a part i'm not going to say that there's never going to be a female that ever lives that is talented enough or good enough to play at the major league level but i would think that it would be better suited for the sport to keep them differentiated just like they have in any other major sport in the u.s Unless they want to make it like a pure on co-ed thing, and then that would be its own league altogether. Not to say that that couldn't work, but you know, compete against something that's already established. Correct. Um. Yeah. So, I don't. I don't think we'll see it in our lifetime for sure, and I don't know if it will ever exist. But it's not from a talent thing. It's from a logistics standpoint. Is is going to be my take on it um so be be kind twitter don't don't ridicule me all right snags you just you know people know you're not you know you'll be fine you'll be fine yeah i mean i and and it could very well be going the route that you know there starts to be like more prominence like maybe if you know young girls start to see you know female figures in baseball that they can look up to like they they start to play away i mean for a long time and it it now they don't even really have that because i think softball was going to be back in the world series or in the olympics for the first time in a while you know in japan the for the summer olympics that got canceled but really like you know softball took center stage once every four years in the u.s because the u.s women were really really talented and dominated that sport for a really long time at the olympic level like at the highest level of competition there were softball players for young girls to look up to and that really doesn't exist. Like they aren't really represented 
in the major leagues at all. But you're starting to see that change with, you know, hirings like this with, with Kim Hang as a GM. Um, you know, your front office executives, that, which there there are other females that exist in that, like in the front office world. But now in today's day and age, they get more FaceTime. Um, yeah, like I'm three, four years ago, the only sports agent that anyone probably would have been able to, you know, know anything about was Scott Boris. Scott Boris. It was probably it. But like now, like you and I, like we've had plenty of conversations about like Rachel Luba, who's got like an online following, like a Twitter presence and a YouTube channel and all this. And that's who Trevor Bauer's agent is. And like Trevor Bauer's online influence is like he, he gives that credit to her all the time. There's like her idea and her suggestions and developing this brand for himself. Like that's what she wanted to do. So like today's day and age is just a completely different look to the game. Um, so you, you might see like, uh, what the giants, they have, um, a female, I think it's their hitting coach maybe, or like, and she also does like some first base work. I think she took the field for a couple games as like a, a base coach. This is last year. Um, it's like, you're starting to see a more female presence, like on the field even, and maybe that'll drive interest for girls into the game of baseball, which could, you know. 10, 15, 20 years from now may develop into something, you know, that resembles like, you know, even if it's just eight teams and they play like summer ball, you know, like the Arizona fall league, but it's for women, you know, like who, who knows? So moving in the right direction for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I guess, How's this for a segue? Uh, we were talking about Trevor Bauer. Um, I know we we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier uh, without going into a ton of detail. Um, but, you know, he had, I guess, some, like, I don't know, I, I don't know, like, choice words or whatever. It seemed like he was making a sales pitch to try to get on Steve Cohen's radar with you know, what he came out and his little YouTube video that he put together. I say little, but I think it was like 15, 20 minutes long um, where it, it was just, I haven't watched the full video, but I kind of watched some of the highlights and read an article or two about it, but it's basically just him kind of listing out four reasons why he thinks, you know, Steve, like what Steve Cohen has done in his time as Mets owner has been absolutely brilliant. Um, and I think it makes sense. Like I don't disagree with him. But it seems somewhat gimmicky. Um, you know, they're like, hey, man, I think what you're doing is really cool. I want to be a part of it. Like, it's, maybe it's sign me. A, uh, it's more like right now, like, I had an interview, and now I'm writing, like, a, an email that says, hey, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate the interview. Yeah, and, and I don't even know that he got an interview. Like, I don't know if he's met with Cohen or anything like that. And I haven't. Uh, when you win a Cy Young, for sure yeah Yeah, i i'm i'm not saying that the mets aren't interested but it's like the other side of that is it's kind of like hey i heard you i heard you're that new money like let let me get some of that new money like oh you're you you just bought a team for like less than 10 percent of your net worth like yeah cool let me get some of that like yeah 
Oh, what do you mean, just a one-year contract? Nah, that was the old me. <laughs> how about we get paid? Like, how about yeah, that? Me wants to win a ring within the next, you know, three to five years. <laughs> yeah, I'll totally sign that five-year contract. Numi's putting a bet on myself for five years from now. Myself. So, so I will say, cause, and, and it's not that it's not that he's the you know that the Mets are the only team that he's kind of done it with. Um, I know, like when we talked about it before we started recording, um, what was it? The Dodgers said that like, oh, we just got a tweet, but the Mets got a YouTube video. So I guess he's not. Yeah. So I guess we know where he's signing. Um, but I mean, he's also come out, and I know I've talked about it on here. Like him and Garrett Cole pitched together at UCLA, and apparently it was like pretty well known that they didn't care for each other. Um, but he's come out and even said that like his relationship with Garrett Cole's fine. Like he has nothing bad to say about him. He has no, there's no ill will, no hard feelings. Like there's nothing that is stopping them from being teammates in that regard. So it's kind of like, Hey, I'm going to say all the right things and check all the right boxes on very public forums because I don't want these little things to affect my payday because he's going to get more money out of the Mets. If the Dodgers and the Yankees are also interested, or if the Mets and Dodgers are also interested, he's going to get more money out of the Yankees or, you know, move that around and insert whatever teams you want. If there's three teams looking at him, he can have a bid war. If there's four teams looking at him, he can have a bid war. The Mets aren't going to bid against themselves. So if the Mets are the only team he's going after, like they're that are going after him, you know, then whatever. Um, if the only other team they're competing with are the Cincinnati Reds, well, the Reds can only afford $15 million a year. So the Mets don't need to pay more than 16, you know, like he, he's not driving his money up at all. Uh, so it it seems like it's I don't disagree with anything that he's saying. I think it's reasonable with what he's doing, but I think it's also that branding and marketing in himself and giving himself the most options possible so he can cash in with a bigger payday, which more power to him. Like if it I, I would be completely content if it's a Yankee contract unless it's another deal at the same level that they paid Garrett Cole, then I'd like all right, guys, like now we're getting a little ridiculous. <laughs> like, I guess it's not my money, but you're going to drop all this money and then you're going to turn around and tell me like we can't afford anybody else. And I'm like, bro, that's not even accurate. I get that baseball, owning a baseball team is not net profitable, but that's why you got the Steve Cohen's of the world. And he even said like, this isn't the, like, I'm not, I didn't buy the Mets to make money. Like that's what my hedge funds are for. Yeah. That's what I have a day job for. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's, and it really, it, it truly reminds me of, uh, George Steinbrenner when he bought the Yankees. Um, and like his theory was just like, the Yankees are a hobby. Like if I'm collecting rings, like I want to put the best team together. Like I don't care that I don't make money off the New York Yankees because I make money off of yes network. I make money off of merchandise sales. So like, I don't care that like, I'm not in the green, you know, or in the black for every different aspect of this organization overall with all of the things that I'm invested in, I'm making really good money. Not all of them have to be successful. Profitable, but the other ones are profitable. Right. So like I can, I can take this loss here Cause like, I think for a long time, like when he owned them, like during like their dynasty run and stuff like that, um, they like, if you looked at it with like how much the, the New York Yankees made George Steinbrenner 
and then how much it costs to run the New York Yankees. He lost money all the time. But, you know, like, it would be like, so Yes Network essentially would be the equivalent of if you had to buy Fox Sports Midwest as a cable package like HBO to watch Cardinals games in the St. Louis area. So not get it as part of your charter deal or whatever you have, but you had to pay $15 a month for Fox Sports Midwest to watch games in St. Louis. Like you would get like Cardinals Entertainment Network. Like that's what Yes is. Like if you live in the New York area, you have to get Yes in order to watch Yankees games because that's the channel they're televised on and it's a separate channel from everything else. Like it's not just included in your charter cable package or whatever. So then if I live in New York and I have MLB It's uh, It's blacked out. It's still blacked out. Yeah, because it's because it's regionally available to you, the same way the Cardinals are. Yeah, but the Cardinals are regionally available to me on like a free mm. channel. I do believe. No, Fox Sports Midwest isn't a free channel. You just don't have yeah. to pay extra for it. Like you still have to have a cable package. Like you still have to purchase something from Charter or YouTube TV or whatever to get access to that channel. It's not like yeah. two, four, five, eleven, thirty. Like those are your free cable channels. You can hook up an antenna and get like 50 free channels or something. Yeah, but one of them's not Fox Sports Midwest. Fair enough. You let me know when you get those bunny. When you get those bunny ears for your, you know, 4K UHD flat screen TV. You let me know how that works out. Flat screen, dude. We're on curved monitors, dude. Picture us. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, dude. You nerd. Um, but yeah, so. So I think he it, it makes sense the route he's going, um, what he wants to do. Um it like I I think he is very intelligent, but I do think that it's more of like a marketing ploy, not that like this is how all teams should do it. You know, like I really believe that. Like he he might, but I think that the the timing now I think he would be I feel like he would be more honest and less tactful if he weren't a free agent. So, and and not to say that like he isn't being sincere in what he's saying. I just, I feel like it isn't that same blunt honesty. Like it felt a little more polished than what you normally see from Trevor Bauer, where it's, you know, eight tweets consecutively about how shitty Rob Manfred is. Yo, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I would imagine that most free agents at this point in time are like looking at their agent like, if you can get me with the Mets, that's probably the best. Uh, that's probably the best situation, right? Because what have they heard about every other team so far through the pandemic? Where we're cutting? Where we're cutting? We got. Gonna lose, we gotta cut the weight, you know, all this money. And then, what do you hear about Steve Cohen? He's just spending money, he's so rich, he's a hedge fund manager, he wants to win World Series, like he's gonna make things happen that he wants to happen. So, like, if you're a player, you're like, I better, I better at least have a crack at this, right? Like, because mm -hmm. if I don't, that's the option to make the most money right now, like, unless your name is um, DJ LeMahieu. Probably gonna get his payday. Yeah, I. So like, I. Where like, so someone's name, you know, like there's a couple players that are gonna get paid through baseball. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter like how much money they made last year. Like teams know that 
this is a 10-year investment or a five-year investment. It's not a one-year investment. So. Correct. Uh, but, yeah. And and on the flip side, though, too, I think, like, like it's surprising to me that there aren't conversations, you know, like, it's like when the Cardinals opted out with Wong. Like, and I, and I don't know that conversations aren't happening. Obviously, I'm not there. I'm not in the Colton Wong camp. It's like, it's like I bullshit with him every day, and I know what's going on. Better get in the camp, bro. Um, but, but no, so it, it's just usually in today's day and age, like if there, if that conversation is going on, you, you're aware of it. Some, someone tweets something, some on name source says something and it's, at least it's there. But I would think that players would like the one year contract, this would be the time to do it. You know? So it's yeah. like, yeah, cool. Like I, I get it. You're. No, no one's going to give me that big payday, you know, like no, you know, or no one really buys into the performance that I had, you know, like the Marcelo Zuna type aspect. Like it was very limited exposure to what teams he faced. Like a lot of his games were maybe against mediocre opponents, which a lot of teams that were real good. That's how it was. Um, Like the Dodgers didn't play anybody all year, really, like other than the Padres, like the right like the al west looked terrible and most of the nl west like was subpar so were the dodgers really that good you know who who knows uh, everyone can make that argument it's like if you're ozuna like you may turn around and just be like yeah cool like give me that like he couldn't get a qualifying offer but yeah like give give me that one year 20 million dollar deal you know that one year 15 million dollar deal and then we'll like we'll see where i'm at like i'm gonna bet on myself again i'm gonna double down on that i'm gonna sign a one-year deal and i know people can't really pay me but then we'll be in talks you know long term and you can see like where you bounce back and make sure that you know the pandemic doesn't screw the you know the entirety of the 2021 season because i think that that's the the other thing that you have like the other shoe about to drop kind of thing is that I know we talked about it uh, last week with the NHL, like they were expecting to start, you know, December 1st. Well, they like Batman has come out like their commissioner and they like, they don't even have like a really a realistic return date yet, but they're kicking around the idea of like playing a shortened season. They're kicking around the idea of like playing in mini hubs where teams might play for 10 or 12 days, like in a regionalized area and then have a week or two off. So they aren't bubbled the whole time, but they're bubbled for a couple games and then they go away and then they come back and they bubble for a couple games. And like, I don't really know what that does or what that matters. You know, it seems counterintuitive and over like overly complicated, but because they still don't know, like maybe baseball follows suit. Maybe baseball continues to not have fans in the seats or they're like, Hey, we have to have limited capacity or we aren't doing revenue sharing because not every team has ticket sales or we are going to do revenue sharing, but it's going to go to those teams that are in cities that are impacted by not being able to have fans in the stands. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like it, who knows? Like we still don't know, like people still aren't able to just leisurely cross into Canada with Oh, excuse me, without quarantining for 14 days. So the Blue Jays still don't have uh, a home that they can play their games in. And Buffalo worked well enough for, you know, you know, a, a shortened season. But if it was a full season, is that is that doable? Like, can they, like, do they need to do more upkeep, more upgrades to that to make it ready? Um, you know, it's, 
it seems like they have a lot of time, but we saw how slowly they moved before, and it's only, what, December, January, February, so three months, roughly, before pitchers and catchers would normally report to spring training. So they have, you know, call it 90 to 100 days to figure out something with what the start of their season's going to look like, and who knows what that's going to be. So if teams don't know that, oh, well, we don't know if we're going to have ticket revenue or not, so we're, we're I know we can't, we can't lose more money if we don't spend it. Like, I know where I'm at money-wise. Like, I can budget if my, if my money doesn't change at all and I get no income from tickets, I know how I can manage that. But I can't invest something with the anticipation that I'm going to profit elsewhere and then that not be available to me. So teams are going to hold out and be like, cool, I'm not doing anything. Except for Steve Cohen, who's like, I don't care. I'll buy all the tickets. <laughs> I can afford it. You know, whatever. Yeah, like, I'll give a shit. Yeah. I mean, hot dogs. Yeah, I'm like, cause that, that's where that's where it is with the Blues for me. And I was like, yeah, it's it's great. Like they they were super flexible, and I've heard all of these horror stories about you know, like, oh this this article I read about this guy being like a Met season ticket holder for like the last 25 years, and they're like, hey, like we need your money, like we need you to put your money down, um, and this is how much it's gonna cost. And the guy was like, well, how about I pay like a portion of that right now? And then I get more to you later on because it's like I think he was spending um, I think he had like four seats maybe in their press. But you spend like 20K a year on these tickets like they they were good. as like he used them for businesses and stuff like that. But he's like, if we're not using the tickets ever and I can't use them, like I don't want to justify spending this money until we know more. And the Mets were like, oh, well, we have people lined up waiting to buy tickets. Like, already, like, 85% of our season ticket holders have renewed. So, we're, like, we need to get to other people. So, you gotta let us know. And he was like, then, if that's how it's gonna be, like, I'm not gonna renew. Like, sorry, like, you lost my business. You know, even though I was a season ticket holder for 25 years. Like, that, like, that just sounds real shitty. If that's how the Blues approached it with me, it would have been real easy for me to walk away. Now, granted, I had only held season tickets for one year. So it's not near the investment, you know, that this guy's made. And I don't spend anywhere near $20,000 on, on my tickets. Yeah. Um, but like they, it's like, they were pretty flexible. Like they, it was pretty sweet the way they went about doing it. Like, Hey, if we're at limited capacity season, full season ticket holders get first crack. And then if we have other availability, we'll open it up to partial ticket holders or, you know, to the general public. But if you don't want, if you don't, if you opt to not go, we just don't take money out of your account for those tickets. Like we just let you keep it and you can roll it over. And then when they get to the point that they allow a hundred percent capacity, then I can choose to opt out of my season tickets, still pay for them. And like, I just don't have the season tickets anymore. I can still pay for them or whatever, but that money just rolls over to next year. It's like, if I don't go to any games this year, essentially, then my season tickets for next season are just paid for. You know, and like, uh, hey, I'm cool, I'm covered. So it's literally like no risk. And so when they when they pitch it to me like that, I was like, yeah, like that makes complete sense. Like, so really I can invest in this and I just, I moved to the upper bowl instead of the lower bowl. I was like, this is roughly the same investment I made last year when I split them. I'm in worse seats, 
but if if I don't go to any games this year because I can't because the NHL doesn't allow people to be there or the city of St. Louis still you know has the orders in place, then I'm like cool like I just invest the same amount of money again next year and I move back to the lower bowl, and I got one year of all this and you know with my promotion like maybe if there's a raise like maybe we'll actually bonus and I'll be able to get season tickets with that money like I planned on it and I'll be fine. But it's like cool, like they they didn't put me like they were legitly like, hey, this is where it's at. And and my rep, Jake with the blues, he's phenomenal. Like he reached out a handful of times during the pandemic. Yeah, but like but he, he reached out a handful of times like throughout the pandemic just to make sure like me and mine were okay. Like super friendly. Um, mailed me a couple like couple pieces of swag for the blues. Um got me like sent me some ice from when they won the stanley cup like melted down ice at least that's what they say it is i don't know that it could just be like water from a water fountain <laughs> but but it's like a cool little trinket right yeah like i mean i'm not i'm not selling it or anything like that i don't care it's a cool little trinket just sitting on my desk right now but like just stuff like that so i was like ah cool this is a really good experience and it, it makes it easier to continue to invest your money into a team like that. Um, so in the baseball realm, it just doesn't seem to be that that's, you know, that isn't the experience that people are having. And I was like, man, like owners are fucking dickheads, you know? Um, so maybe, maybe Cohen will be the savior of all of that and just be like, yeah, I don't care. Like, eh, oh man, like, I'm only worth $14.4 billion now instead of 14.6. You know, like, like maybe he'll, he'll be the guy that breaks the mold. So if that happens and baseball gets to a better place, I hope the Mets win a world series for it. Know what I mean, Vern? You heard. Yeah. I mean, it'd be cool. It'll just be nice to not have a manager complaining about like, having a manager that actually acts like he has money, you know? Like, not all these other managers, or not managers, owners. Owners. I, I knew what you meant. Broke. I'm broke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm broke. I'm losing like, money every game. Yeah. Well, my name's not Steve Cohen. I'm not a billionaire <laughs> hedge fund manager. <laughs> I've only owned everything forever. My family's got money dating back to the medieval times. Yeah. My day job was cash and paychecks that my dad gave me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm George Steinbrenner's kids. <laughs> How do you, like, you're Steve Cohen, you walk into owners' meetings, and you're like, well, uh, we all report to Steve Cohen now, right? Because, uh, you know, I make the world go around in the baseball uh, world. So. Why are we yeah. drinking this this garbage? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and then we, we absolutely nailed the qualifying offers. Um, like I said, there were the six players that were available for him. Uh, five declined, and then Marcus Stroman accepted his to stay with the Mets. Um, and, uh, yeah, that he was like, uh, yeah, bet. I didn't, I didn't pitch, I didn't throw a baseball last year, and you're gonna pay me 19 million dollars to play for you this year. Sounds good. Tell me you're excited for me to play. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it'll it'll be, 
it'll be interesting to see what comes about. Like, like I said, like I think LeMahieu will get paid. Um, I, I wouldn't mind if he comes back to the Yankees. Obviously, uh, he's kind of a one and in a league of his own for what he does. Um, he's a little on the older side. I think he's like 32. Um, so it just kind of depends on what the deal is. Obviously, um, let's see real quick. Where's he at? Yeah, 32. I uh, he'll be 33 this coming July. Um. So he's a little past his prime, but I I could see him looking for like a four or five year deal, you know, coming off of, you know, finishing third in the MVP, won a second batting title, um, you know, just an all around good year, um, especially in the midst of a lineup that's been decimated by injuries the last two seasons. And he's just been nothing but stellar for the Yankees. Um, so I could see him trying to get like that, that last, paycheck like all right give me my 20 million a year for five years you know 100 million dollars and then i'll retire when i'm 37 and figure out what i want to do next because you know 37 is young as fuck grand scheme of things it's probably not even halfway through his life and he never has to work again um it's good on him but i i do think so with with stroman um, we can we can segue this into you know a topic we we breached on in a joking manner earlier. Um, so the other thing that came about like the the big Marcus Stroman news is um, someone had kind of tweeted out at him, and they didn't drop a name, but they were like, "How much money would it take for you to go play for a manager that had that battles issues with alcoholism?" And is perceived as racist. And Stroman was like, no amount of money. And this like was on the heels of the LaRusa signing in Chicago. So I guess like I like maybe this is just being naive to things. But like I didn't know that like it was like this well perceived notion that Tony LaRusa is racist. Like I know people didn't really care for the comments he made about kneeling during the national anthem. And that like a lot of people associated that towards like, if you have a problem with people protesting, you know, like then you're supporting, you know, this racial inequality that happens with police brutality and other things that go along with it. Like I, I get that, that, that mindset exists, but I didn't, I didn't know that it was like deeper than that. Like, I don't remember there being things uh, during his time. And so, as I know, he had, like, beef with, what, Ozzie Smith or whatever. Like, some of the older players, like, you know, that had been around for a while before his time. But I don't I don't remember it being this this big thing. But I, it could just be me, like, turning a blind eye to it or... Yeah, I could blame it on, like, maybe I was too young to realize what was going on. But, like... Right even as I sit here now, like, I don't remember, like, at any point in time, like, when he left St. Louis, he was well revered. When he started working in Major League Baseball again, it was like, oh, shit, like, man, it would be really nice if Tony was still here, you know, like, if if he would have still wanted to manage, if he could still be managing the Cardinals today, if he wanted to, you know, like, if he wouldn't have decided to leave baseball when he did, like, he might still be the manager. Like, he was loved here in St. Louis. Yeah, he went out on top. Yeah, like, they won a ring. Yeah, people didn't have a bad thing to say about him. Like, the thing I keep trying to remind people 
is that like he um, he's coached so many different like walks of life players, veterans, mm-hmm. rookies, international signings, uh, kids from good homes, kids from bad homes, black players, white players, Mexican players, players that don't speak English, like players that love kids. steroids. Yeah, yeah, his, yeah, his <laughs> players that are juicing all the time. Like his gambit of coaching is not matched by many people. Um, and in baseball, um, more specifically, that is tr- a treasured value, right? Like your knowledge of the sport makes you that much better than everybody else. Um, and we've allowed social media to kind of like give Tony um, – Tony's current rap, I do believe, and now I could be way off base saying that, but I don't feel like I need to go do much research to know that, like, I don't really feel like that's a problem. I do, I have read that, like, yes. Did I lose you? He, who he talked to about it, um, but, like, he's changed his viewpoints after talking to some players um, around the league and like that's the goal of all this right right like you're supposed to cool we're open to talk about it cool i i now understand your i understand your side of it yet we're still gonna like rag on him for like saying what he said like so i've said multiple times i have a huge feeling that like his the people are just hating that he's what 70 80 years old or however he is and they're just like oh baseball's all about the youth baseball's all about the youth right um, Cool. Well, not every manager that gets signed currently is, is the next young guy. Like, that's not what still happens. Does that happen? Yes. Does that happen to teams that, like, are rebuilding, um, maybe aren't managed very well and don't have a very big payroll? Probably more often than not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I I think Tony gets a bad rap. So. Yeah, I mean, he had he had a winning record with all three teams he managed, the White Sox, the A's, and the Cardinals. He spent eight years managing the White Sox, 10 in Oakland, and 16 with the Cardinals. Like, over 2,700 wins as a manager. Like, he won a World Series with both Oakland and then the two with the Cardinals. Like, like so he, he's successful. Like, he, you know, won 100 games. You know, his team's won 100 games a handful of times. Like, just all all around pretty, yeah. pretty successful. Nobody remembers or even thinks about that. Like, this couldn't even. This probably this hiring isn't really probably about Tony Rosa being the manager. This hiring is to bring better people into the organization, like better baseball people into the organization. Uh, and so I, I have a feeling once Tony starts like, uh, we start seeing like who staff is and stuff like that, not just. Oh, yeah. he got pulled over. He got pulled over, which is a big deal. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to sidestep that. But base, sports in general, I don't want to hear about it. People are like, oh, this guy beat his wife in an elevator, and there's video of it. But he scored me a touchdown on Sunday. so I can turn a blind eye. Yep, don't care. I don't want to hear people talking about, well, he got a DWI, and he's 87 years old. And blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, cool. Well, like, if you're going to push the line, I like, I mean, we didn't kill anybody. We didn't beat our wives or girlfriends. So, like, maybe that should be the line we draw. And those are the people that we should condemn. Uh, if we should condemn all of them. So. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely... People make mistakes. They get over it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a, a weird dynamic. And just like the the world of entertainment in general. Um, that, like, if someone has character flaws or, you know, they're that 
you know, quote unquote, just piece of shit. Um, like, does it take away from their body of work? Like, obviously, like the the first one that comes to mind for me is like like Michael Jackson. Um, there there have been plenty of things that have come out that like point towards he did the things that people say he did. Um, I don't think that there's any like definitive proof. Like he was never found guilty of anything, and now we'll never know if if he did those things or even some of those things. Like that's absolutely terrible. But because we found out that he's a terrible person, does it mean that his music's no longer good? Like, can I not, can I not enjoy listening to the music that he put together? Like, and it's just this really weird dynamic. So like, oh, the Russo, like maybe he does have a drinking problem, and that that is an issue, and it shouldn't be condoned. But at the same time, like, if he has character flaws and he's human, just like the rest of us, and we deal with our own flaws, but he's in the public spotlight because of it if he does his job well, if he wins baseball games and manages the team the way he's supposed to, it like what, 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 what's okay. And what isn't. And it's just, it's really odd. And like, like some people are like, well, is it your team or is it not? Like, are you turning a blind eye because it benefits you and it brings joy to your life? You know, like if Tom Brady was that person and you hate the Patriots, you'll never let that go. Like that's all you'll bring up anytime anyone mentions the name Brady. Like, oh, you talking about Tom Brady, that guy that beat his girlfriend? You know, like that's all anyone would ever say. Like the cheater, Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, like that's it. Like, oh, he's probably got deflated balls. Ha ha ha. Like, and like go Bills. Right. So, like, it, it's just it, it is weird, and I feel like part of it might be that, and you know, in the world that we live in today, like everyone has a voice, and sometimes it's a good thing, and sometimes it's a curse, and you gotta kind of weed through it i was just surprised to find that like so many people were like oh yeah the tony the racist i'm like jesus like i never got that vibe and that it doesn't mean that it's not there like it could just be me being ignorant to the situation but i feel like i would have read stories that were like prominent about it and i was like i know that there was there was you know perceived beef that existed and all that stuff but i mean like like there, there were people that were still involved. Like I me and Willie McGee's been involved with the the organization forever since he retired. Like from my understanding, like he was still doing stuff in, uh, you know, the Carlos organization. I think he wasn't around this year or part of this year because I think he was dealing with like some health concerns. Like he opted to not like be around any any longer. Like I'm trying to think when did Larusa start coaching? Like. It was like the late nineties, right? Like he took over after Tory. Like when did Larusa start managing the Cardinals? It was like the late nineties, right? Uh, like mid nineties is, because he took over whenever Tory left, right? Like Tory's first year in New York was ninety six, and I think Larusa came in for to replace Tory, right? Yeah, so like McGee's last four years were with the Cardinals, all under Larusa, and like he he played in that time frame. And then he came back into the Cardinal organization as a coach later on. So it's like if it like and I get that like oh, you know, not not to go that route, but you know it's like saying like I'm not racist. I have a black friend. Like I get that. Oh, like there's one example of it, but I would just think that 
you know, if if it were that bad, you know, and maybe it wasn't bad then and like things changed, but I I don't know. It it was just weird to me that that was like the perception that like he was this he was this bad guy. Yeah, do you have and the other thing about it is, are we reading about players saying these things, or are we just reading, like, random people on the internet being like, Tony Larusa is yeah. this horrible guy? I haven't heard, like, one credible thing about, like, oh, yeah, it's... Except, except Marcus Stroman, who's never played for him. Right. Um, and who Marcus Stroman, probably you could say that Tony Russo probably wouldn't have him play, because Marcus Stroman, like, had, like, has had good years, but, like, like, is he the best pitcher in the world? Like, no. So, like, who's to even say that you can even play for Tony Larusso? So, yeah, I it, it definitely, it it definitely seems to be more opinion based than fact based. Um, because like when people talk about facts, it's just the drinking stuff. Um, which there's there's some truth to it. Um, I'm sure I'm certain. You know what? I think he has like two or three DUIs. Um, uh, one, one that he got in Florida, uh, in like the two thousands, and then, and then this one. But hey, you're innocent until proven guilty. You know, a lot of them go to court. Right. So, so either way, he he was arrested for them. Whether or not he's convicted for anything is a different story. But he was arrested for them. I find it hard to believe though that those are like the only two times he's ever drunk and drive. Uh, drank, yeah, yeah, drank, no, no, no. drank, drank, and got... drank and drove. What? What? What would that term be? Like, if you like, when it says like, don't drink and drive, like, would you be like, oh yeah, I totally drank and drove? Is that what you'd say? Like, would it both just be passive? That sounds weird. Yeah, but so yeah, so I'm I'm certain that it's not the only time that he's ever driven drunk. And that that is an issue. Like, if you if he's doing it and you get caught, like it's safe to assume you probably got away with it far more often than you got caught. Yeah, um, yeah. And it and that's it's a, a bad message to sell. Um, yeah. You know, so it, it isn't a good look. Um, it was terrible timing yeah, that it came out like right after the hiring. But even in baseball, what domestic violence is? Well, now it's one. And it's like an 80 game suspension twice, yes. and like you're done, right? It's like a uh, um, I don't know if you're done. I think it's like the same as PEDs. Uh, so it's like 81 game. Like they say it's 80 games. I don't know why they made it 80 games and not 81 games. Makes no sense to me. Um, 81 games would be legitimately a half a season. So I I don't know why they didn't just make it 81 games. But yeah, so it's 80 games, and then I think the second strike is 162 games, and then I think the third strike is removal from the MLB. Yeah, and then like popping dirty from drugs, or not from drugs, well, from drugs or uh, prohibitive substances is <clears throat> about the same discipline. Yeah, P- PEDs, it's 80, 162, and then lifetime. Um, I don't know, like... I, I honestly, I'm not familiar with what, like, the testing policy is for, like, marijuana or, you know, any anything, like, outside of performance-hancing drugs. Like, I don't know if there's... I want to say that baseball was one of the first sports that stopped testing yeah. for marijuana. Yeah, and again, I don't know if it's because of, like, the the time frame in which, like, how long the season lasts. 
um, or something. I I don't know. Like it's probably just hard to manage. And now you know it's it's legal in a handful of states. So. Well, while you're yeah, uh, just no, trying what you're looking yeah, for. No, 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 no. We'll keep going with that. Okay. Um, gotcha. So if, if you find or you remember what you're going to say, just let me know. Um, so I guess just like check off the last few things we have here. We were talking about free agents. Um, obviously, the Mike Clevenger deal uh, that he signed today. Uh, pretty weird announcement. I th- I think um, with how this came about. So he was under arbitration eligibility. So he's under team control for the Padres for two more years. And they signed him to a two-year deal for $11.5 million. So he's getting, you know, like, what, five in a, like, 575, like 5.75 million a year, essentially, uh, for the two years. He likely would have been uh, he probably would have gotten a, a race potentially for this next season, but I don't think it would have been that significant. Like, I don't know what he made last year, I guess. Um, I guess let me look that up real quick. Um, so that way we can see like how much of a race it actually was. Yeah. So he was, it looks like for 2021, he had, uh, base salary of $2 million. And then it was, um, or maybe this is the new now. Um, yeah, I guess this is the new contract already. Damn it. Sons of bitches. Um, hold on. Bah, 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 bah. Uh, so he made $4 million in 2020. It's like what his full contract was. So they, he probably would have gotten a little bit of a raise, and then in arbitration, he probably wouldn't have gotten anything, like any sort of raise for 2022. But the Padres were like, cool, like we'll just not go to arbitration with you. And they announced this two-year deal, $11.5 million. And then along with that, in the same statement, they announced that Clevenger's having Tommy John surgery and he's going to miss all of 2021. It's like you just gave the guy a $1.8 million raise for 2021 and you're not going to have him throw a pitch, period, at all now. I think he's got surgery this week, bro. Yeah, it, it's just like, it's so, so weird. And I get like, he was, he was good. He was great in San Diego. Um, Hurt for the playoffs. Probably a big portion of why their season came to such an abrupt end. Um. But it's just like, man, like, that's just really, really weird. Like, why not just roll the dice and be like, cool, like, we'll we'll revisit this, you know, and we're not going to worry about giving you a raise. You probably would have saved yourself, you know, a little bit of money, potentially, unless they felt, if he went to the arbitration case, that he was going to get more than $5.8 million for next year. So they're like, hey, we'll just hedge our bets. Maybe I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, how arbitration really works, like what they base it off of. But 
It's like, dude, like that. Just weird. It is a weird concept. Uh, must be nice. Yeah. Here, here you go. Pay, pay me, give me a raise, and then I'm not working for you. Ha. Yeah. Jokes yeah, on you. I'm gonna take the year off. <laughs> yeah. Vacation. Um, so the only other thing I had, um, well, obviously, so we we can no longer vote for the M, the all MLB team. Um, I know, Chris, you sent me like just in Discord, you sent me what your picks were. I did not jot mine down, and then I went uh, to look dude, today. Gives you, yeah, dude, that's why I put mine in there immediately because I was like, ooh, I can just screenshot this, give me a nice little breakdown. Yeah, like I I did not do that, so. I, you know that's my fault. Um, I'll just have to find the list, and I feel like it'll be like it'll be pretty obvious who I picked. Um, but we'll do that. The announcement will happen uh, early December. Um, so whenever that comes out, then we'll compare our our votes with uh, who the picks were, um, and we can go into a little bit more depth in terms of like who got picked. You know, any if there's some stuff that we think is controversial, you know, whatever. Um, but keep an eye out for that in December. Um, and then the only other topic that I had was they announced the Hall of Fame ballot for, uh, excuse me, for 2021. Oh, yeah, dude, your boy's on it. Um, there's, a, there's a couple interesting people that are uh, that are on the list. Yeah, the one I saw was Nick Swisher. I was like, there's probably, I would assume there's, I guess I'd have to take a look at it and see who's on there, but I would assume there's probably no way he's getting in. Uh, I don't think he had a horrible career, but I mean, I just don't know if it's a Hall of Fame career. But. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. So, essentially, for, like, guys can be on there for 10 years. Um, so there's a handful of guys that this is their last year that they can be, like, their last chance of getting in. Um and then there's obviously a, a plethora of new players that are, are capable of making it. Um, but the guys that are carrying over from um, last year, so in order to stay on the ballot, you have to receive at least 5% of the votes. Um, so I think there was like 397, something like that. Uh, yeah, 397 ballots. Uh, so you needed to be selected on 298 of them to be elected into the Hall of Fame. Um, and you needed to be on like around 20 or so to get to stay on the ballot. Um, so Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, and Sammy Sosa, they're, they're all going to be on the ballot again next year. And it'll be their final year for Hall of Fame eligibility uh, to be voted in in this process. Um, there's like era, like all era selections or something like that. So like if guys don't get in, then there's time frames where like at like 15 and 20 years, I think they can be like revisited and be picked. Yeah, you know, like as like if they do more in the game or something along those lines, like they can get in. Um, but then, um, so other guys that aren't in their final year but are going to be on the ballot again for not the first, so like it won't be their first time on the ballot. Um, Omar Vizquel, Scott Rowland, Billy Wagner, Gary Sheffield, Todd Helton, Manny Ramirez, Jeff Kent, Andrew Jones, Andy Pettit, Bobby Abreu. So those guys will all be on there. And then they're joined by first-timers uh, Mark Burley, A.J. Burnett, Michael Kadir, Dan Heron, Latroy Hawkins, um, Tim Hudson, 
Tori Hunter, Aramis Ramirez, Nick Swisher, Shane Victorino, and Barry Zito. Um, so could be, you know, it's it's crazy that there's like guys now going into the Hall of Fame that like I distinctly remember watching like most of their career or all of their career. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, so I I like to me I. Like, I agree with you. Like, I don't know if... I don't think any of the guys that are on for a first year, I don't think that they'll be... Um, that they'll get in. And that seems to be kind of like the... The extent that... Um, you know, MLB thinks as well. Which, I guess that's pretty... That's, it's rare. I, I don't want to say rare, but... It's been seven straight years that a first ballot entrant has made it into... Like, has been elected... And they're saying that that'll come to an end probably in 2021. Um, but I think for for me, the biggest thing is like kind of like that. The like this is kind of the last round of those guys that were, you know, associated to PEDs stuff like that. Um, not all of them, but a big bulk of them in Schilling, Clemens, Bonds, and Sammy Sosa. Um, obviously Pettit got suspended for, or, you know, like came out and said that he used HGH. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff with like Manny Ramirez the same way. Uh, so there's still a few guys that are, that are out there. Um, but this would be the, like the last year in, uh, Schilling, Clements and Bonds, they're all at like 60% or higher and you need to get to 75%. Um, like Schilling missed it by 20 votes last year to get in. Yeah, so it'll it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, and so they they're saying that like Schilling's probably the one that is most likely. Um, but apparently, like in the last in the past 30 years, um, Jack Morris is the only player to not get elected by the writers despite reaching at least 65% with at least two years remaining on the ballot. Um, but uh, Jack Morris made it in via that like modern baseball committee vote. Yeah. So like all of them have made it in eventually. So like history's on Schilling side kind of thing. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where it's at. Like, Apparently, like, it's gone up, um, like, his support has gone up, like, almost 10% in each of the last two ballots. So, if he gets that same jump again, then he, you know, he would be in. Um, and it seems like it's a relatively weak class. Like, there aren't a ton of guys. Because uh, I think you can, like, as a writer, you can put 10 names down. And there's, yeah, you don't, you don't have to put 10 down. Um but there's only what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eleven first timers, and then fourteen other guys that are on there for a uh, second or second to tenth time. Um, so there's only twenty-five guys to choose from that are eligible right now. Um, so I think the likelihood that Schilling maybe gets a few extra votes is pretty possible because um, it's kind of like a, a now or never type thing. So, 
So we'll see. Um, but I think that that happens. I, I forget. I want to say it's like maybe the beginning of the year. I forget like when the voting is being. I know the induction is like in July, but I think that uh yeah here we go so uh the end of january um is when the the results will be revealed so we'll uh we'll get more into it you know when that comes out but a 2021 content yeah some some interesting names on there at least some some interesting storylines for the hall of fame votes um but yeah i think we're right around 140 so I think it was like right at 38 minutes when I cut it before. Um, you got anything else you want to cover? No, I'm good. Sweet, sweet. Well, uh, thanks for uh, sticking with us through our technical difficulties. Um, hopefully things weren't too bad. Like my, my concern is that you were cutting out on my end. And since I'm recording like my local like desktop audio that comes through my headset... If I'm not hearing you, I'm worried the recording's not picking you up. Yeah. Um, so there might be times where it sounds kind of shitty. Um, and then my mic was dropping and it wasn't registering me talking. And there's a few times that you were like, did I lose you? And I was like, fuck. Like, my shit's not working. Um, so yeah. So hopefully it's, it just doesn't sound miserable. Um, and if it does, thanks for sticking around hey, to this point. Podcasting just isn't that net profitable. Yeah, we... We appreciate you. Um, But yeah, so thanks for tuning in. And until next week, stay cool.